our desire for, for all of myself, for yourself, for our listeners, is that we enter this year with renewed inspiration and renewed creativity in all the aspects of our lives. Hello and happy new year and welcome to Spiritually Hungry. Happy new year. Happy new year. I don't know if you're allowed to say it. This, I think we have this discussion every year. There's a uh, Kirby Enthusiasm episode um, about the limitations of how late you can say Happy New Year. Mm. So whenever you're listening to this, I hope you're okay with us saying Happy New Year. I think it's totally fine. <laughs> 2024 is upon us. And even if you're not the New Year's resolution type of person, there's a lot of optimism built into the energy of this time. Maybe it's the month of Capricorn also, but... And also, it's actually... <laughs> I'll share with the listeners. Monica asked me not to interrupt in the first few minutes, but I do want to you share. Can't help yourself. We all know that at this point. <laughs> no, because you say you everything you say inspires me. Sure, it's part of Let's the problem. You inspire me uh-huh. too much. It's a lie. Not lying. Not lying or a liar. But um, one of the beautiful things about the new year is that from the winter solstice is the time that the light of day starts increasing. And that's both a physical reality, but it's more importantly a spiritual reality, where where light starts to shine more powerfully. And that's one of the reasons. You know, there's no coincidences that the new year always happens as the sunlight begins to take to grow, right, and take more over of the darkness, and it has a spiritual implication. And it's also the time that we can begin to reveal more light to conquer more darkness. So are you saying that as the days go by and we get closer to the end of this new year, then the light gets less and less? No, right from the 20, 21st, 22nd of December, the, that's right, sort of the, the time when the dark, the darkest day, and then all the days leading up, usually the eight days leading up to New Year's, is when the light is getting, getting, well, getting more and more every day, more daylight than the day before. So you're right, saying that, that, that has a spiritual implication as well, and that's why, again, it's not coincidental that people feel that sense of renewal, because it's actually a time when light is getting stronger than darkness. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome. So you... So I was back to the New Year's resolutions. <laughs> exactly. So even if you don't make your list, not, not everybody does, you do not, we all want to get things done. And if you're like me, it is making lists, setting goals, and then plowing full steam ahead. I recently watched a TED Talk by Tim Harford, and really, it changed my full steam ahead style of productivity. It's going to take me some work to perfect this, but he frames his whole talk around the word slow. So that's interesting, right? Because we're talking about moving forward, full steam, and he's saying, slow down. I want to ask you, do you consider yourself, Michael, a fast-paced person or a slow-paced person? I was actually thinking about this today. Really? I would say I'm a methodical person, which means... <laughs> that 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 I like to think through what I'm going to do, then do it. Hopefully, do it with alacrity. So I, I think it's a. I think there needs to be a combination of both. So you don't you don't just rush into things. You plan them, at least have an idea about them, and then hopefully go full force into them. Yeah, I mean, I've learned that from you. I think that it's very very useful, and it's by the time you start to do something, it is really thought through, and therefore you're usually successful with it. I think that the alacrity part could probably be. <laughs> Faster, <laughs> a sorry. little bit, and I'm I'm way the I, other it's, way. It's you taught funny. me to I slow actually down. Had, I actually had that thought today as I was writing something else that, and it's something I strongly believe in. Right, that that if you, it's I've shared this I think in, in one of the previous episodes where 
Ravash like the rate Kabbalah is using the example if you stand by a piece of wood and you hit it a thousand times, it's not going to break. You have to have one strong hit in order to break anything. And that idea is that in order to really accomplish, there has to be that power in the action. Sometimes it's speed, but it's more important than the speed is the effort that is invested into into the action. So we agree. We agree. Yes, you were right, and I About need to your, work on that. And right I and I time. and I've been working because I've been watching you, and I I'm usually when you have an idea, for instance, execute it, just do something in that direction, even if it's messy or sloppy, because now it's your first step into manifesting it. However, there is that that balance. But back to Tim Harford in the TED Talk. So we need to slow down because our worlds are very fast paced. The way we live, if you, for instance, if you ordered something online, think about the last time you did, how fast did it come? Next day. In less than 48 hours. And if it didn't, you likely notice, wow, why is it taking so long to get to me? So even our expectations about how quickly things should happen is very different than it was even 10 years ago. The idea of time is moving in a linear way is a construct of our own making. We like things. If you have something broken, you want it fixed immediately. Nobody really appreciates the process, which again is understandable. But if we're so busy with kind of this reacting to, you know, slow, fast, is it fast enough? We need to slow down. It doesn't leave a lot of time for creative thinking, right? To time to take pause and say, okay, what is it that I want to create? What is it that I want to do? Before we go into, and that's the topic of today, is really how to ignite our creative spark, I want to talk about one other thing first, and that is multitasking. We hear about this a lot. Some people say there's no such thing as multitasking. I'm pretty sure that came from a man. Most women do multitask a lot. Do you think you're a multitasker? I try not to be. I <laughs> know, and it irritates me beyond. Why is that? So I think if you do it, in order to do anything well, you should be focused. Go back to the point that I was saying before. I think it really infuriates me sometimes because, like, sometimes you you really can. I can, but I don't want to. Exactly. Because I want to be focused on whatever it is that I'm doing, and I believe it's true. Like even if it's the, making a salad. <laughs> <laughs> I see where we're finding faults today. No, not at but, all, sweetie. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think if I'm making a salad, I can do other things. I, I, actually, as a matter of fact, whenever I actually do make a salad, I'm actually watching something. No, I know, but you're not listening to me. Oh, that's something else. <laughs> okay, so what you were saying, so with multi, you intentionally don't multitask. I'd like to, hear to more be about very that. intentional about what it is that I'm doing. Certainly, if it's something important, if it's something, le- I think for me, the less important something is, the more you should allow for multitasking. Okay, obviously there, there is a point in that, but I want to give you an example which is very relevant to me as a parent. I think mothers have a reputation of being superhuman, multi, having superhuman True. multitasking abilities. We can cook dinner while helping a child with their homework. We can change a diaper while making an appointment with a pediatrician. We can order school uniforms while we're in line to pick them up from school. And I think that part of that, the reason we do it is so that we can find some more time in the day to maybe cuddle with our children or do things that we really love. Of course, if you're writing a novel or you're preparing a, a lecture or whatever it is and 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 that requires complete focus no don't multitask but then there's many other i don't know for me i haven't found a way to get everything all of the demands and being able to provide for all the th- people and things that are actually important to me right without doing that well i would say two it's things. exhausting i would say two but... things first of all i'm not in your case is probably the case 
I'm not sure for many people that is the case. I think often why people multitask is because they don't want to get bored of the current thing they're doing. Oh. So they fill up their... Really? I think so. And two... Like they have to be busy all the time, you're saying? Yeah. Two... Because I think we live in a world that doesn't. But that's doesn't not really allow. multitasking. That's just being distracted. No, no, no. I want to be. I, I'm waiting online to pick up my kid, but I don't want to waste that. Like I want to be doing something else, so I'll be on my phone ordering something. Right? For example, is that impatience? Could be. Could okay. be. I, I think our world is, unfortunately, today more suited towards that. Always having to be engaged in something or more than one thing. And second, I think the big and we've had this conversation. I think it's it's yeah. You can't. You'll never get to do everything you need or want to do in a day, and therefore that list should get shorter. Of what you need or want to do today. That's but something that I am. Is it part of the uniforms? I think there is a way, and I know that I do this actively. You know, taking things that I won't even allow on my to-do list. I'm better. I honestly, you're so strict about your time that after last year being the way it was for me, and I was like a chicken with their head. I just couldn't like no matter what I did, it couldn't catch up. So obviously that wasn't working. So I started to pay even extra close attention. I'm much better. I'd say I'm forty percent better than I was last year. But I actually had that thought about you today that I wanted to have this conversation with you about, like, in this next year, say, what are the things? Ew. No, it's a positive thing. <laughs> no, because I, again, because I think that there are, my rule always, what are the things that nobody else besides you can do? I try to do that. And what I would say, my the thought that I had today was to say, what are the things that you did allow yourself to do last year? And that you're not going to allow yourself because you're going to be focused on these three to five prior, whatever that number is. Can we do this? Today? Let's have a date night and do yeah. this list. Can I've we? Been begging for a date night. For no, but I want to do this kind of date okay. night. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, I think it's really important because yeah. I feel like because my my nature is again to like run until I'm out of steam, and then not and good. then and then I'm like, oh my god, I have to reevaluate my time, and I really have been very specific about what I'll say yes to, and do I have to do if I don't. But then sometimes I feel like the person asking, I know why it's just like, I don't know, or like if I could just do it, I'll do it in five minutes so they don't run around for two weeks trying to get an answer. It's like those kinds of things. But yeah, I need help there. <laughs> so date night. Okay, so what Hartford proposes Hartford. What Hartford proposes is slow motion multitasking. This is a solution to the conversation we just had. Slowing down our multitasking. He claims that the secret is the secret to creativity. And when we say creativity, we're really thinking about all the kinds of creativity from writing a play to planning a family vacation, plotting a summer home, whatever the case may be. So, and it, it feels really counterintuitive. So what he means is this, when you have multiple projects in the works at the same time and you move back and forth between them as you please, you can continuously move them along while keeping your mind fresh and sharp. So that's his kind of, I mean, and I do that, right? You do that. We don't work on just one project. It's like having many tabs open on your computer and you give a little time to each thing each day or each week and slowly make progress, which yeah. is an aspect. I, and I think, again, because to me, we're talking about creativity. To me, the word that very clearly goes with creativity is inspiration. Mm -hmm. And I, I see them very much intertwined. And I think it's important for our listeners to understand we're not talking about the purpose of this podcast isn't just for the for the quote unquote creative people. Because some people are not sort of their job isn't to create music or to create a play. But every single person should be living a creative life, and to me that means everybody should be living an inspired life. Which is kind of like what in 
influences their approach. Right. So you could be a parent. You could be a creative parent. Or right? even some kind of left brain business, whatever. Or creative business or, or work. It, it, creativity and inspiration can and should be a part of our daily lives, regardless of what our quote unquote job is. And I know that I, for myself, one, one of the great blessings in my life is that I do, and we'll talk about it where it comes from, but I do have both that desire to live a creative life, to live an inspired life. I, I try every single day not to start my day unless I'm feeling, experiencing inspiration. And then again, that could be in anything that you do. It could be my, I have a daily connection, prayer, meditation that I do every single day, every three times a day, but every every single morning. And for me, that the idea is not to allow any of the usual things that we do, our routines, to become stagnant. They should always be creative and inspiration filled. And meaning, and, there's change, and and change doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing something different. It means you're, you're maybe, not necessarily doing the exact same thing in the same way every day. Exactly, and I think I think and I think what what we're trying to share with our listeners is that our desire for for all of myself, for yourself, for our listeners, is that we enter this year with renewed inspiration and renewed creativity in all the aspects of our lives. For me, when I think one of the key understandings is that you know you hear about writer's block, right? People who are or were great writers and they try to write their next book, or even just look at a blank page, can't even write a word. Mm -hmm. And I think all people, again, not just creative people, experience that in their daily life. Again, for me, if it's a parent who just feels stuck in their parenting or parenthood, or or somebody who's at work and feels stuck. Where does inspiration come from? Where does creativity come from? And I know for sure, and and that unless you know have the answer, the clear answer to that question, it'll be much more difficult to live a creative, inspired life. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful so you're going to answer that question. Yes, and the beautiful reality is that what we call the light of the creator, that creative energy that created our world, exists. And every single moment, for every, you're surrounded by it. You and I, right now, as we're sitting here, we are surrounded by that creative energy that created our world. That knowledge is really important. You need to take the time to think about it. Again, you're starting your day. Maybe you're going to your meditation. Maybe you're preparing lunch for your kids, sending them off to school know that that creative energy that created the entire world, and that has all the new ideas and inspirations and creativity for you, is surrounding you. Now, the next thought would be, how do you how, access it? And, and but, not just access it, what if some people don't feel that? So you talked about how every morning you wake up and you find something straight away that inspires you. I do the same thing, right? So it already puts you into a different frequency that you're tapped into that energy. But what about people who but that's, wake up? But that part is that step two. I really, and I want to underscore that because I think it's really important. Simply hearing what I just said, that you're surrounded by the creative energy that created the world, is not going to do anything. Right. right. You have to wake up every <laughs> single morning and stop and say, I am surrounded. Actively say it. Therefore, there's like we've shared this before, there's a morning, the first words, the, the this, the Kabbalists say you should say every single morning is to give thanks, thanks for, for the fact that your soul came back into your body and that you're renewed. 
What does that mean? It means that you're surrounded by a new force. I am not, as I woke up this morning, neither me, my body, my soul, nor the energy around me is the same as it was yesterday. It's interesting. When I do that, I put my hand on my chest because it kind of brings me into self, like I'm back in the body. Um, yeah, I think often people just like grab their phone or right. you know, think about, oh my God, I'm late or I got to, you know, whatever. So before you can take any action, you really have to, and this takes practice day after day, maybe a few times a day to stop and say, I am right now surrounded by all the creative energy that created our world. So I need creativity. I need inspiration. It's right here in front of me. I, w- I was thinking about this today. If, and I'm sure there are people who think, no, it all has to come from within me. That's a very scary thought. Like if I like you well, know, that's the writer's block because then you're like you have doubt about yourself and can my next novel be as great as my first one was or maybe all my thoughts, my creative thoughts went into that first book, whatever the case may be. But if you are relying only on your sheer desire or what self, I would call like, ego is you're really cutting yourself off from ninety nine point nine percent of where real creativity and inspiration comes from, and and. I, I, it's, it's again, I because you know we, you and I we have the opportunity. We we give lectures every week and we write new things every week. If I I was thinking about this, if I thought that this was coming from me, it's tremendous pressure. I'd be terrified. <laughs> terrified. <laughs> By the way, every every year that starts, I'm always excited to see where my mind is going to be taken, not what I'm going to create to share and to give. I, I think I, I can't imagine. Yeah, I, know, I, know. I mean, that's why I think maybe maybe a lot of and we know that a lot of writers sort of have depression and 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 all kinds of other issues because wow, if I th- I mean I'm just thinking about myself and you know and I'm not you know I'm not desiring to write the next great American novel, but if I thought that what I need to share this coming week and what I have to write is going to come from whatever solely this dependent solely on. what me and my ego is. I mean, I, I don't know how I'd go, how I'd go on, how I'd write anything or share anything. So, this understanding that we all are surrounded by this, but that the first step is to really know that, really know, meditate upon this second you wake up in the morning. Like again, like I said, you're a parent. Forget it. You're not a writer. You're not a. You're not creating plays. You're not creating books. You're not giving lectures. You're a parent. Your child is different today. You better be inspired to be a different parent today. Where are you going to draw your inspiration? Where are you going to draw your creativity to be a child, to be to be a wife, to be a husband? You need to be. I need to be a different husband today than yesterday. Where am I going to draw the inspiration, the desire, the ability to be a, a different and better husband today? Well, now you're talking about better versus creative. Well, to me, that those are those are all the all synonyms because to be to be inspired in a new way is to be creative. To be better at something, you need to be inspired and better at it. Right? It's all it's all it's all the same. So so it's interesting. So so you have to have desire, and you have to make sure that desire is not coming from ego, and then you also have to tap into this frequency that exists. To know, you got to first first is the knowing. And then, and then you meditate upon it, and then you bring yourself to connect to it. So, no, I hear what you're saying. I do it automatically at this point. I'm just wondering for our listeners. It sounds very esoteric and abstract. Like I don't know how somebody besides when you wake well, up in the morning. Yes, I understand. I say the prayer also, and right away you bring appreciation and and you understand that 
your essence today is different than yesterday and the energy of this day and the opportunities that it will provide for you is different than yesterday and it's not the same as tomorrow. And I hear that. That the creative force of the universe is surrounding you in this second and you desire to tap into that So you almost have day. to close your eyes oh, many sure. times a day and ask the creator to come in create, and to create. Yeah. It's interesting because when I first started to desire to lecture, I don't know, 20 years ago, I was terrified. You remember as sleepless nights, first time I ever got up to speak, publicly terrifying. And I, I don't know how I tapped into this, but something as a hobby that I enjoyed was baking, uh, among other things. But it was something that I could do when the kids were sleeping and they were young and you were, you know, in your, it was just like my quiet time. And I realized, especially during that time, when I was racking my brain about like, what am I going to talk about? How am I going to inspire? What am I going to do? What kind of speaker will I be? You get the theme in the word, I, I. And I wasn't trying to come from ego, but I still was really relying on like me only, right? So I went into the kitchen and I remember it. I would start baking different things that I had never baked before. And in that creating and using my hands and using a different part of my mind, using my body, all of a sudden these ideas would come channeling down, funneling into my, my mind. And, and I would be so enlightened and, and creative, right? But it was because I took the pressure off of it being about me creating it. And I started to create something else. By the way, those things I baked were not for me. It was for you guys. It was for our neighbors. Like It was that energy that was circuitry. I just remembered you haven't made my favorite cookies in a long time. You never eat anything I bake anymore. I know, Let me try. I don't even know what they are. Yes, you do. Sh- yes, you do. Your peanut butter chocolate chip. Exactly. Yeah, we made them a little too long. Do you long. want them? I'll make them today. Yeah, why not? Are you going to eat I them? Sh- We're living. I try not to. Days. Right. I'm trying to exactly trying to be healthy. And then, but but the, but I would yes. I, I those are my favorite. I would enjoy them. Second. I wanted to to, to and share. Now I have to bake tonight. No, you don't have to. No, we're leaving. Time <laughs> I made now. other things though. Yes, not my favorite. But they're different. I made an <laughs> olive oil orange zest cake this morning. Nice. I made chocolate chip banana bread this morning, and I made green tea. I uh, sorry, matcha nice. white chocolate chip cookies nice. this morning. None of those are my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but what I wanted to share is a quote from Rick Rubin's book, which I found very very interesting and and inspiring. Actually, uh, the creative act. Because I think, you know, every once in a while we come upon a topic where obviously we're talking about the spiritual aspects of it. When we talk about relationships, I strongly believe you can't you won't you can't reach the 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 ultimate state of being in a relationship without the spiritual work and the spiritual understanding. Creativity as well. And he speaks about it, which is, you know, an, an interesting perspective. And so he writes, without the spiritual component, the artist works with a crucial disadvantage. The spiritual world provides a sense of wonder and a degree of open-mindedness, not always found within the confines of science. Mm. The world of reason can be narrow and filled with dead ends, while the spiritual viewpoint is limitless and invites fantastic possibilities. Very well said, that. Yeah. The unseen world is boundless. The world's spirituality may not speak to those who dwell chiefly in the intellect or those who equate the word with organized religion. If you prefer to think of spirituality as simply believing in connection, that's fine. If you choose to think of it as believing in magic, that's fine too. The things we believe carry a charge regardless of whether they can be proven or not. The practice of spirituality is a way of looking at a world where you are not alone. There are deeper meanings behind the surface. The energy around you can be harnessed to elevate your work. 
you are part of something much larger than can be explained, a world of immense possibilities. Harnessing this energy can be marvelously useful in your creative pursuits. The principle operates on faith, believing and behaving as if it is true. No proof is needed. When you are working on a project, you may notice apparent coincidences appearing more often than randomness allows, almost as if there is another hand guiding yours in a certain direction, mm -hmm. as if there is an inner knowing gently informing your movements. Faith allows you to trust the direction without needing to understand it. And this, I think, very much uh, uh, dovetails with everything we have said until now, that if you really want to live an, live an inspired life and a creative life, being of a spiritual bent, I would say, belief or certainty, opens up so much more. And the reality is, if you look through the history of the creative people, there is always this, this talk or this understanding that they are connected to something that is beyond them. The greatest works of art are created by those who are connected to that realm beyond. I, we, we most the, clearly call it that creative energy of the world. But I mean, a lot of famous composers, artists, sculptors from forever ago have have been very spiritual, and they course. talk about how that's inspired their work. Of course, a few more recent ones. You know, I don't know if you realize, but Joni Mitchell was a painter before she became an acclaimed musician. I didn't know that. And even after her music career began to take off, she continued to create visual art. Jamie Lee Curtis, we know, is an actress, but she writes children's books. Um, there's many, many people. And I, again, I call it modest spark, but I think it's that spark, right? If you think it's you're tapping into an energy, a frequency, and it's not you, because it's not like, because I think sometimes people are like, oh, that person's just creative, you know? No, we're all And creative. that singer is just creative. And that they're, they're so creative, they happen to be a great artist, too. And no, it's not that. We all have that ability. And there's a very, another important idea here. You know, we know that children are more creative, right? They're, they're, their mind is more expansive, right? Almost every single child plays make believe in one way or another. Why is that? Well, this energy we're talking about is something that we are innately connected to. So when we are in the womb, certainly when we are born, we are naturally a part of that world. And it is so interesting, constantly coming up with scenarios and stories and different dramas and comedies, like constantly, and then we get we go because, so far from and, that. And this is an important point. What, what creates that barrier? And we call it the ego, right? And it can, and we know we've we've spoken about the ego, but it, you know whether it's the need for others' approval, whether it's the need to think of myself in a certain way, all in we the, have to be serious, the, and we need to be, you know, the ego has many many manifestations, but it's it is the key barrier between ourselves and that creative force. So another important process to be involved in, if you want to live in inspired, and I hope. And I'm assuming we all do. Want to wake? Can you imagine waking up every single morning inspired and creative and creating new things again, regardless of whether whatever it is that you're doing in life? Well, you better be diminishing your ego, because if you want to answer the question, why is it when I was five years old, I was fanciful and I was making things up and I was creative, and now when I'm 25, 35, 50, whatever that age is, less so, because your ego has created that boundary that barrier between you and that creative force that is surrounding you. So it is not enough, as we spoke before, to know that it is there and to actively meditate and connect to it. But it is also important to know that there is actually a barrier that you created 
that you have to be fight, fighting against, working against, diminishing, in order to allow that free flow of that creative energy into you. And why does the ego do that? Well, that's a deeper question, but the idea is that, that when, when you, the ego is the sense, I am more, right? I mean, or I need to be more than you, than somebody else. I need people to know who I am. It's very self-focused. Well, what does that mean? You're saying whatever is out there, right, is sec- needs to be secondary to what's to what this is, to what I am. Once you say that, then of course there's a wall. You are actively creating that wall between you and that limitless creative energy that's around you. The more self-focused you are, the less available you are to receive that creative limitless creative force that's right outside take of Take yourself less seriously. Exactly. If you take yourself seriously, you're saying, this is, this is serious. What's out here is, and well, what's out there? What's out there is actually the limitless and boundless energy of creativity and, and inspiration. Have you heard of the book, The Artist's Way? Yes. A lot of creative people love this book. Um, a friend of mine swears that it helped her become a more productive artist. It's written by Julie Cameron. And um, she has a workbook. It's set up like that. That has specific tasks. And one thing she says that's really helpful is how to keep things fresh and fruitful. Is that you have to keep going back to fill the well of creativity. The creative well is where we draw inspiration. If we don't replenish it, it can run dry. And she says, in filling the well, think magic, think delight, think fun. Do not think duty. Do not think you should do. X, Y, and Z. Do what intrigues you. Explore what interests you. Think mystery, not mastery. So if we're constantly, again, in that realm of I have to create, I have to produce, I have to, then again, which is rooted in the ego, then you don't really allow time for even leisure or your modest spark or anything else to come because you're so busy being the one that has to drive everything with that deadline. So it's basically what we're saying. She's just saying in a different way. And also the first, and also go back to the conversation we, me and you just had in the beginning of the podcast, but I think also, like for instance, for myself, I know, and this also has to go with the, the filling of the well. For me, every single day, I have to read for, for a few fine. hours some of the ancient spiritual books because that's what fills me. I and and again because I know, I, first of all, that I can't be creative this mind my own, and I also don't want to be creative this. I want to be connected to that. So so for me. It manifests as spending that time to 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 read even even works that I've read before, and and I I, I don't think there's anything for me the, a new idea or an inspiring idea is probably the most amazing part of life. When you read something for myself, when I read something like this today, I had like three or four moments like that. Like, and it's not necessarily that these are all like brand new ideas. Sometimes they are, but it's just hearing them in a different way or understanding or understanding them in, in a different way because I'm always a different person. With that idea. And I think it's a very important point. And, and, and our listeners should ask themselves, what are you doing on a daily basis to fill the well? Exactly. One of the important gifts and opportunities that we all have is nature. Because nature is awesome. And nature is, is limitless. There's actually a meditation, a, a Kabbalistic meditation, that you want to look at the ocean, spend time looking at the ocean, its strength, its vastness, and look up to the heavens, and as we know, even physically, are limitless and ever-expanding. And to really attach your mind, your thought, to that reality. So when you really spend time in nature, I think more with this intention, that 
think the about vastness it. of it. The vastness of it, the, the limitlessness of it, the expansiveness of it. But to really take that time, to really, you know, something might be one minute, five minutes, 20 minutes, an hour. I actually read today from one of the Kabbalists that you have to spend eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily every we don't I don't know if you have the time, but but just the breaking of what I would call the ego barrier that that should do. When you're just looking up at the heavens, looking up at the stars, and realize this is literally limitless. Well, whenever I, we get out of the city, even just an hour out, the first thing I do is look up, especially at night. It's like an automatic reaction. And I remember when we went to Big Sur for the first time, and we were actually, our view was of this beautiful ocean and the stars. And I, I right away wrote down something really inspiring. Like, I was just called to it. I didn't even have to give it even a right. thought about it. I was just, the, the the ideas just came through me immediately. And I think that's exactly the right. point. And just to under underscore, this isn't just about being in nature. It's about having right? the consciousness. It's about really attaching yourself to nature. Well, there are a few ways to rekindle the creative spark. You just touched on the first one. Be in nature, but also get physical in nature. You know, if you jump from a high dive or you ride a bike or you go for a walk in nature, it's going to activate something, even moving your body, because we're not meant to be sedentary. You're meant to go and, and be out and be part of that part of the world. The second is curiosity. You know, if you drive by something that interests you, stop. If you see a bookstore, you know, I do this all the time. Like, that looks so cute. Let's go in there. What's around the bend over there? Let's go explore further. And I'm never disappointed. I always am struck by a new idea or a new thought or a new emotion that leads me to something else. Most people think they don't have time or, you know, you can't really stop. But even we went to an apple orchard a few months ago and we went to one tree. I'm like, no, but let's go to this tree. Maybe they have different apples. And we went to a different thing. We went over the hill and then we saw this beautiful view we wouldn't have seen. And it's that kind of thing that really feeds you in so many ways. And explore a new hobby. I can't, I can't stress that enough. We're constantly doing that. And I think that when you look for new things and you try them and you feel lit up in a different way, then it changes your whole perception of everything, what's going on in your home, in your front yard, your backyard, everything changes. So... It's funny. We always had this conversation with our daughter, our older daughter, Miriam. She's always trying new things, doing new things in many ways. So I was just joking because she plays the piano very well. And a few, some time ago, she wanted to tr- to learn the violin. She bought a violin. It's today, very dusty, we, that, that <laughs> Yes, violin. that one is. But then today in the car, she was like, you know, I really would like to learn to play the saxophone. I said, let's go right ahead and buy one and have it sit next to your violin. And but the point, but uh, that's a little funny. But the point but is... But I love the desire. Yeah, yeah and, she's and, always looking for yeah. Yeah, new, new, new things to do to, to expand. I mean, even when I walk home from my workout, I'll go a different way. Not only because I'm bored of playing the same way, and maybe it might be even a little bit longer, but I'm curious about this street that I hadn't gone down or something I noticed on a certain street, and maybe now I'll explore it. And I'm never disappointed. Yeah, so I'd like to leave our listeners with a quote from Robert Henry. The object isn't to make art. It's to be in that wonderful state which makes art inevitable. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and it's like it's to the point that you said before. That is such a good quote, Tony. Yes. I'd like to share with our listeners a letter from one of our listeners, and it's a good time to remind all of you, please continue to send your questions, comments, stories, inspirations, creativity, to Monica and Michael at spirituallyhungry.life. Dear Monica and Michael, I cannot find the words to convey my admiration and gratitude to you. 
because you keep your podcast simple, clear, and entertaining, yet so profound. I really have come to love you both. I really connected with with this episode on embracing your mistakes. Being the daughter of a very critical French perfectionist mom, and raised in that French culture of an exaggerating, exaggerated, demanding culture of puree mieux faire, you, in parentheses, <laughs> you could have done better. I was, for the most part of my life, Ouch. constantly feeling, fearing to make a mistake and proving not to deserve being approved slash loved. I was always disappointed in me. Ouch, you could have done better over and over again. I would just shrivel up in that environment as a child. Goodness. I was always disappointed in me, since mistakes are inevitable. And as you said, they help your change, you change and improve if you understand it. So embracing them was a tough lesson for me, as it was for my mother to try to become less critical and more relaxed and try to become a better person. Yet the counterpart is that I finally understood the richness of accepting your mistakes and life setbacks or challenges as a life and even a spiritual lesson. And that is what I tried to teach my own daughter. Quote, no matter what happens, don't miss the lesson of growth for yourself. One heartfelt anecdote. My mom became much committed to improving herself, so much so that on her deathbed, when she was already 90, and it was clear her heart was failing slowly but inevitably, I told her to prepare herself and put herself in the hands of the light beings on whom she believed, because she was soon leaving. In parentheses, she says, talking about death between us was pretty much a state of fact, not sad. Anyway, when I told her that, she quickly answered with her funny French accent, I'm not going to do a French accent, quote, but I cannot yet go, I still have so much to improve. Oh, wow. To which I had to reply, quote, too late, mom, you'll get to it in your next life. She laughed. It was a great message to prepare for the rest of my own life and my own death. Greetings to you, dear Monica and Michael, and thank you for your kindness. Love, Giselle. Wow, that's such a beautiful letter. Thank you. Yes, really inspiring. Thank you for sharing wow. both the anecdote and, and, and about the episode. I know that I and Monica find this both inspiring, your story, and therefore, thank you, Giselle, and thank you to all of our listeners. Make sure to send all of your letters, comments, inspiration, stories, anecdotes to Monica and Michael at spirituallyhungry.life. And also, make sure to share this podcast with everybody you know. Go to Apple Podcasts, write five-star reviews, and uh, again, share it with everybody you know, especially in this new year, to find even more inspiration. And as always, I hope, we hope, you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as we enjoyed recording it. Stay spiritually hungry.